Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. I want to start today's session with a really incredible story that really shows an awesome lesson for all of us as we consider what our words mean, the power that is in our words, and what does faith play in everything that we do. The story comes from the book of Luke, and it's in the beginning, it's the story of Zacharias and the birth of John the Baptist. And it's just fascinating. It starts out and it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child. And because Elizabeth was barren, they were both, well, you know, they were both advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John." And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the Spirit And that's go before him, capitalized him. That means going before God in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said, now watch what he does when he gets this message. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. My interpretation is basically he's saying, um, how is this going to be possible? My wife's too old to have a child. That's basically what he's saying. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, 
which will be fulfilled in their own time. Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity today to dig into your word and to learn more about you, Lord. I'm so thankful, God, that you are God of goodness and mercy and full of riches that you're ready to pour out on us. I thank you for the word, Lord, that we are able to have the Bible to reflect and learn uh, your ways and, and more of who you are. I'm thankful, God, that we have that today, and there's so many that don't. I ask today, Lord, as we go through this, that they will hear your voice and not mine. Hide me behind your cross in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're going to dig into the story a little bit, I want to uh, just pull out of it a couple of items just to notice. And that, first of all, Zacharias is a priest. And most likely a Levitical priest, that's what they were back then. And that he was going about his duties And he had been selected to go and burn incense in the temple. And it's at that point that Gabriel comes in and gives him a word from God about what's going to happen. So this priest, who has an angel standing before him, ends up challenging what is being said. So there's an issue here of faith, an issue of trust, and what he did is he spoke those things into existence. He actually spoke those concerns out loud. His words had a consequence. His words had a consequence, but I would say that even more so, it was what was in his heart that produced the real consequence. So, As a reminder, I just want to use, remind us all what sin is. Because sin is described in the Bible as a transgression against the law of God. You think about 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 says that everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So it's this, you know, keeping God's law and specifically rebellion against God. Rebellion against his ways against the things he's asked you to do. It's disobedience. And so when we look at that, uh, like in Joshua 1.18, it says, wherever rebels or whoever rebels uh, rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death, only be strong and courageous. So basically sin is anything that is contrary to the will of God. It's a distortion um, of the 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 world that God made. It's a distortion of the relationships that God has made. It's a distortion of the will that God has for all of us. Um, and, and he made these things perfect for us. That was his intention. But it's, a, it, it, you know, our sin can, can manifest as stubbornness or rebellion, even uh, disobedience. It's the cause of all pain. It's what causes hurt, confusion, and doubt in the world. And it's constantly at work inside of us. Sin distorts our hearts and obstructs our view of God. So this distance, this sin creates this distance or distances us from God, and it puts a barrier between us. You know, Jesus tells us that, sorry, Genesis tells us that humans were created in the image of God and that we were created to reflect this glory. And that's why Jesus came, was to take all of this sin upon himself and be the sacrifice for our sin. 
So as believers, when we do break God's law, when we are disobedient, when we do things not in faith, it puts distance between God and us. And we go and we have to reconcile with the Lord through forgiveness and through spending time with him and and getting back uh, to a place where we're walking by faith in the spirit. So in Romans 14, it's pretty clear. It says, um, Paul is talking about this issue of uh, people struggling over what to eat and what not to eat. And he says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So there's this important that, he, that Paul places on faith in whatever we do. We need to have and do uh, things from a place of faith. Faith in God, faith in his will, and faith in knowing what he wants us to do in that situation. And if you don't know, it means getting before him and asking him, searching his word, getting together maybe with another brother or or mentor or a pastor or an elder, and doing everything that you do from a position of faith, faith in the Lord. You know, when we don't act in faith, we're unstable. You think about the times when you didn't go before God, you didn't know what the answer was, and you were waffling back and forth, trying to make a decision. One of my kids struggles with making decisions. He doesn't know which one's the right one. He doesn't want to miss out. He uh, is constantly working through, well, if I do this, this will happen at that one. And then sometimes he never makes a decision at all because he's, he's struggling. And I've been there. I've been in that situation many times. But it's important to remember that when we don't act in faith, we are unstable. And James makes that clear. So he says specifically that when we're in that that position to call out to God. Let's listen. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, right, knowing what to do or how to make the right decision at the right time, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in what? In faith. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But when we ask in faith, when we do in faith, when we walk in faith, we walk trusting God, that God will provide an outcome that is best for us, knowing that he cares for us, that he's going to give us the absolute best that there is, no matter what the situation, no matter what the outcome. I have a friend, actually, that yesterday, that a family member lost an election. That family member was running for a political post and thought for sure that they were going to win and they were struggling afterwards with the dejection of not winning. And we had to go through that God is good, not only in the good times, but in the bad times. But I said even more so, It's in those times that we have to walk and do everything by faith because we have to remember that it's in those moments 
that his goodness, his mercy, and his faithfulness to us is most evident. It's during those times when we reach out and we can trust on God the most and we see him move in our lives. We see him protecting us from going down the wrong path. We see him working and building a new fire in our life, purifying us from the things that we thought we had been rid of. But he gets rid of those junk, gets it out. So I want to just also now think a little bit about words. Because if you remember, Zacharias spoke what was in his heart, what was in his mind out loud. And the angel promised that he would end up being mute as a result of all this. So what are words? Because speaking, right, is something, something very interesting. This language that we have, you think about it, language can be written, right? But it can also be spoken. It's a technology that God has given us. He's given us this ability to communicate through words that have meaning. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living, it's active. And sharper than any two-edged swords, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions, the intentions of the heart. That's God's word. There's something special about words and speaking. It creates, it creates, it creates discernment. It creates a, it's the intentions of the heart. It, it creates something. It puts something into existence. You know, our words can do all sorts of things. They have power and they have power to defile us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, when he had called the multitude upon himself, he said, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the man, out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Jesus continues in verse 18. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It's important to remember that when we speak, so much of, of what we say is actually what's coming from our heart. And Jesus wanted to draw attention to that. He wanted to also draw attention to what we think of these small traditions. That wasn't the key. It was that heart and what we speak because we're speaking something that's in our heart. We're speaking into existence and it's creating oftentimes some sort of action or sin. And Jesus says, we are going to be judged by our words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account to every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. 
So our words matter. Our words matter. We have to remember even our careless words that we're going to have to account for. But it's by our words that we will be justified. We'll also be condemned by them, but we will also be justified. Our words can be a blessing. Remember that Jesus was called the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So keep in mind that Jesus was the Word. And that it was by the word that all things were made in him, through him, and by him. And in the word is life. And that word, or that that life, is the light of men. That's Jesus. And that light shines in the darkness. We're still talking about the word. There's another scripture that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So in 1 John, what we are seeing is that John is talking about using words to confess our sins. And that through that process of confession, that God will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Keep that in mind. I mean, our words produce death. Our words produce life. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're confessing with your mouth. It's what you speak, what you say. That's where salvation is coming from. It continues on and it says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Our words of confession, right? result in our salvation when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and when we repent of our sins. James chapter 5 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Our words in prayer accomplish much. Our words have power. Our words have meaning. You know, David prayed that God would help his words please God. This is Psalm 19. He says, chapter 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So interesting. So now let's go back and understand that, you know, there there are some examples of both disobedience and obedience in the Bible. 
And you can see that they had consequences, just like Zacharias. There were consequences in these moments. Because obedience means staying close to God, not rebelling against his will, trusting him, and doing everything from faith. When we are disobedient, we are walking outside of the will of God. We're not having faith in what we're doing, because if we did, we wouldn't be doing those things. We'd be trusting that his laws and the things that God tells us to do are actually better for us. And you think about it. Think about just the Garden of Eden with original sin and the consequences there. Or Lot's wife, as they were escaping from Sodom and Gomorrah, she was told, don't turn back. Don't turn back and look. And she did. Became a pillar of salt. Or during the Exodus, there was disobedience amongst the people. And so they ended up with 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness because they raised the wrath of God through disobedience and not believing and trusting in God, not doing what they were supposed to be doing in faith. Being afraid. God tells them to go in and take over this land. They walked in there and saw that these people were were huge and tall. And so, not acting in faith, they ended up wandering and losing full generation. Or how about King Saul in 1 Samuel? He did not obey the Lord to execute God's wrath against Amalek. And so the Lord has done this thing to you this day, which was he removed his blessing from King Saul, and it would be no longer his family or lineage. And that was it. That was it for him as king. Or think about Jonah. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach, tell these people to repent. Jonah went the other direction and there was a consequence. He got on a boat and there was a storm that almost killed everybody on that boat. Finally, Jonah confessed that he was the reason he jumped down and ended up spending three days in the belly of the whale, a large fish, where he had to travel inside of a stomach instead over where to nip back to Nineveh. You know, Hebrews 2 says to pay attention here to salvation. He says, therefore, we ought to give the, the more earnest heed to the things that we heard, lest haply we drift away from them. For if the word spoken through angels, whoa, it's almost as if he's talking exactly about this portion in, in Luke with Zacharias, he says, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. So let's get to it here. When we act in obedience, we see the outcome. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham could had complete faith that God would provide a way out, and God did. At the very moment that there was uh, to be the sacrifice of Isaac, God sent an angel to stop him and provided a ram. In Noah's obedience to God, his entire family is saved. Paul's obedience to Jesus and the heavenly vision, you see that Paul ends up going out and the Holy Spirit leads him and helps him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and to the known world at that time, even into Caesar's palace. 
Daniel was obedient to God's dietary laws. He continued to stand in obedience and God blessed him throughout that entire process all the way to being the second in command. Moses, of course, was obedient multiple times, several examples, including when he showed obedience to accept God's instruction, to accept Aaron as his helper, or to take off his shoes uh, when God told him that it was holy ground that he was on. He followed God's instruction in the land of Egypt and in getting out of the land of Egypt with confronting Pharaoh, which he struggled with, but he was finally obedient with. And he, he accepted bringing down the Ten, ten Commandments uh, of God to, to the people. And I, I, I can't imagine what he was going through at that time. So now when we think about all of this, we think about that, that moment elapsed that Zacharias had. Now think about the moment that he was obedient when he actually named his son John. Look at the blessing that happens here. So let's continue in Luke. It says, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father. This is the tradition, to call him Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. Zacharias had told her that he should be called John. And so she says no. So they made signs to his father, to Zacharias, what he would have John be called or what he would have him be called. And "And he asked for a writing tablet. This is Zacharias. And he wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all those who dwelt around them and all these saying, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. The minute that he spoke, And brought forth this issue of faithlessness. There was was a consequence. And the angel showed him, your words have meaning. Your faithlessness has a consequence. And they demonstrated for us to see today. And he was mute until the moment that he was obedient. When he was obedient in that moment, His mouth was loose and the power of his tongue and the ability for him to speak was released. And the first thing he did, he praised the Lord. And it continues on. It says, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant 
the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, which, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Praise the Lord. He was given the moment to open his mouth and choose again. And he chose to speak. Those words that came out were one of faith. They were ones to praise God. They were one to declare the truth of the Messiah, of Jesus coming, and of the truth of what his son would be, the prophet John, that would declare and make way and make straight the way of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If it's time for you to surrender your life, if it's time for you to start to declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, to repent from your sins, you can today. It's written in Romans that no, not one is righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have to admit that we are sinners first and that we're in need of a Savior. All of us, I did, you will, everyone, my mentors, pastors, everybody must go through this process because God is calling men and women to repentance And that means to not only ask for forgiveness, but to turn and go the other way from our sins. Because the wages of sins is death. That's Romans 6, 23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wants you just as you are. So he died and paid the price so that you can turn your back on sin and go and call on Jesus. Use your words to call out, to confess your sins and declare him and ask him to trust, to to save you and then trust in him for salvation. Because if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth by your words that you profess your faith and are saved. So just call out to God today and in your heart, tell God, how you're feeling. And if you want to follow the Lord and you don't know what to pray, you don't know what to say, just repeat after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and the gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brother
Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other This has been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information, go to cominghomeministries.net.